Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 12, from the life of Abraham, and we'll study how God always has two sister words in the Bible, usually together, out and unto, which means leave and come. Remember that you can download all of Tom Cantor and Friendship with God messages for free at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's just a small verse from the Bible and a short one or two sentence commentary on that verse from the Bible. It's a great exhortation, a great encouragement. As you start off your morning friendship with God every morning with a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. We also want to ask if there's anybody in the Southern California area, particularly Los Angeles, that would like to partner and work with Israel Restoration Ministries as a volunteer or in our full-time open position that we have in the Los Angeles area. If you're a Christian and you want to witness to God's lost nation of chosen people, the Jewish people who need to know the Lord Jesus Christ is their Savior, we would like to hear from you. You can contact us at 800-247-3051, and join our team of full-time, part-time, and volunteers that take the gospel out with Israel Restoration Ministries to a lost and dying world. And so if you'd like to volunteer or work with us full-time, please call us at 800-247-3051. You can go to our website, israelrestoration.org, for more information about our ministry, israelrestoration.org, or go to friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online, friendshipwithgod.org, to support this Bible teaching radio program or support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going out to the Jewish people. Now, here is our saved, born-again Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, Tom Cantor. And often the Jewish person, in order to come to God, he's opened his heart and he's come to find out that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and Savior from sin. And so what does he do? He's just like Abraham. He stands at those crossroads and he thinks about it. And he's at that same crossroads. He's looking at the signs and he's considering what to do. Like Abraham, the Jewish person, he sees. He says, one road, the sign says, your familiar life, a predictable life, a life of stability, a life of security, your country. Staying here means that you will stay an integral part of your people, your Jewish people. You will have the sense there of belonging as you have. Remaining in your father's or your mother's house will continue as it has been. Now, the other road, as he looks down it, he sees leave your country and the life you've known. You leave that life of stability, that security. If your Jewish people tell you, choose between us and Christ, that you will leave your people, your Jewish people. If your Jewish mother, your Jewish father says to you, choose between us and Christ, then you'll leave your father's or your mother's house in order to become a friend of God. That's Abraham. That's every Jewish person virtually who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Abraham, a Jewish person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he stands right there, he looks carefully at those two signs, he considers carefully his choice. And if that Jewish person is going to be like Abraham, then he'll make his decision and he'll walk like Abraham did, decisively down that road marked friendship with God. If he's going to be like Abraham, he will, with Abraham, be willing to leave 
his familiar life with all the stability, security, be willing to leave his people, his Jewish people, his Jewish mother's father's house. And when they say to him, if they say to him, choose between us and Christ. It doesn't always happen that way, but oftentimes it does. He'll do the same, he'll do that. Why? For the same simple reason that Abraham did, because he will say, God is worth it. All this loss, and it is loss, God is worth it. That's how he'll figure, like Jim Elliot. And so he'll say with Abraham, with Jim Elliot, he'll say, I'm no fool to give up what I cannot keep in order to gain what I cannot lose. All right, now, so look again at verse 1, and there are two sister words in verse 1, in verse one and I'll read them to make them obvious to you. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy father and from thy kindred and from thy mother's house unto a land that I'll show you. Now, if I didn't do a good enough job, it was out and unto. <laughs> so, <laughs> so God never called Abraham to give up anything that he was not at the same time offering him something better. And that's always why those two sister words go together. Out and unto. Leave and come. See, Abraham was called to leave the world of his false gods of light and fire and come to the true God of glory who appeared to him. It's just like Paul said about the believers in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1.9 where he said, For they themselves show us what manner of entering we had entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Those believers were described as the ones who turned to God from idols. The to and from, just like Abraham. They also said, God is worth it. Now, maybe Abraham would have had a moment reflecting back on his decision and saying, did I really make the right decision? Did I really make the right choice? You know, we're really very grateful to Apostle Peter because he always seems to have the chutzpah to do things like that. And he had one of those moments. Peter had one of those moments when he wondered, did I really make the right decision in following the Lord Jesus Christ? And so there was a conversation between Peter and the Lord Jesus over this in Matthew 10, 28, where it says, Peter began to say to him, lo, we've left all and have followed thee. And he's saying, you know, what are we going to get? And so the Lord said in verse 29, and Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there's no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children. I know somebody who that was put on the line with, his wife and children, choose between me, us, children, and Christ. Or lands for my sake and the gospel's but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now, in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and the world to come, eternal life. So God is saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'll do the calculation for you. It's worth it. And he says, you may lose what you cannot keep, but you will gain what you cannot lose. Now, as we've said in Abraham's case, God had touched the heart of his father, Terah, and it seems to have been Terah's idea to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And sometimes, in the case of some Jewish believers, they think that they'll be thrown out, but they're not. So in any case, Terah left Ur, but he stopped midway, and he tarried, he loitered in Haran. That's what his name means. Terah means loitering or tarrying. 
So when his father was dead, Abraham moved over with his wife, Sarah, nephew. His Lot was his nephew from his dead brother. And so it looks like maybe Abraham had the responsibility to look after young Lot. Such a wonderful thing he had to do. Anyway, so God called Abraham to leave his familiar surroundings. That's what is meant by country. That's the only place that Abraham had ever known in his life. Abraham had friends there. He had neighbors there. And he was being called to leave them. If he's going to be like Abraham, he will, with Abraham, be willing to leave his familiar life with all the stability, security, be willing to leave his people, his Jewish people, his Jewish mother's father's house. And when they say to him, if they say to him, choose between us and Christ. It doesn't always happen that way, but oftentimes it does. He'll do the same, he'll do that. Why? For the same simple reason that Abraham did, because he will say, God is worth it. So the group, little group comes into Canaan. So he's moving now in obedience to God into Canaan. And now, as if God's focus has now funneled down, and that's what's happening here, to this man Abram. We're not going to read any more about cities like Babel, because now Abram is like a star. He's a star in a very dark sky. Abram and Melchizedek, these are like glittering stars surrounded by the darkness of the ungodliness all around. And he says in verse 1, that I will show you. Abraham, I will show you. Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. (laughs) What are you going to see when you get there? I don't know. But God promises it'll be good. He said, I'll show you. He says that God promises it's kind of an adventure. That's one thing. Abraham's life is definitely an adventure. One thing about life with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not boring. And God has many wonderful things to show Abraham. And that's why he said in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, Call unto me, I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Basically, as God is saying, you follow me and you fasten your seatbelts. Because i got some great stuff to show you. And so you really have the impression when you read Jeremiah 33.3 that God says that he really is anxious. He wants to show the great and mighty things. And when God says to Abraham in Genesis 12.1, I want to take you to a land that I will show you, you have this impression that God is anxious to show Abraham. He wants to show him. And when the Lord Jesus Christ says in John 14.3, I go and prepare a place for you, and I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. All these statements, I'll show you, I'll show you, there'll be great and mighty things, I go to prepare a place for you. God is excited to show great things that he's done. And so what does God want to show Abraham? Or why? Why does God want to show Abraham? Why does God want to give this land to Abraham? Why does God want to show this land to Abraham? Because God is love. God is love. And love is the basis for giving. That's why those two words are linked together in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, because love is the basis for giving. And that's why it says in 1 John 4, 9, it was, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent, or he gave, his only begotten Son into the world. That's why it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment here on Friendship with God. And if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on Friendship with God, as you're driving, listening at home, downloading these messages on the go, and you're growing in your knowledge of God and in your friendship with God, we'd like to ask you to support 
this Bible teaching radio program with a donation of $40 or more, and we'll send you some of the Summer Blitz materials that we're handing out to Jewish people as a thank you for supporting Friendship with God. Call us at 800-247-3051 with a donation of $40 or more, and we'll send you some great materials that you can study from Tom Cantor as a thank you for your support of Jewish evangelism and this Bible teaching radio program. 800-247-3051, or friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor. Okay, then he says in verse 2, I will make, I will make, I will make. He says, I will make, in verse 2, I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now notice how God, dealing with Abraham in a way that's different from anyone else before him, because God is giving to Abraham here the great promise of it to Abraham. This is to Abraham the great promise promise. And the promise now is occupying center stage. And there's two parts of this promise. So the first part of the great promise to Abraham is physical. God promises to make the physical seed of Abraham a great nation. This is the part of the great promise to Abraham that God is going to make his descendants of the Jewish people a great nation. By the way, the Hebrew here for great nation is goy Gadol, nation big, goy gadol. So the Jewish people are called a goy here. So don't think that goy is a derogatory term. It just means nation. They may say it in a derogatory way, but it doesn't change the tactic. It's not derogatory. So <laughs> the, promise, the promise is that the Jewish people would be a great nation. In other words, God told Abraham his physical seed, the Jewish people, it says later on, they'll be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. That's why Abraham is called the great patriarch in Hebrews 7.4. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham now, so Abraham's a great patriarch. Why? Because he's the beginner, the founder of this Jewish people group. And he's like a root. Abraham's like a root. And he's got 12 branches springing off of the root. And they're the 12 tribes of Israel. So the Jewish people grow into a large people in Egypt. And thousands of years roll along for the full development of the Jewish people. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, you know, there are other people that are much more in number. You know, like the Chinese people. They're much more in number than the Jewish people. So why are the Jewish people spoken of in such, as being so great in number? Very simple answer. Because one Jew goes a long way. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So that's the first part. Sorry to be serious. So that's the first part of this great promise to Abraham. It's the physical expansion of Abraham, and that's the first part. Okay. Now, he has promised that his seed would also be a blessing. That's the second part. Now, notice the last part of that verse 1. And thou shalt be a blessing. It's further explained in the last part of verse 2, where it says, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, or from thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, or emanating from you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So when the Lord Jesus Christ made a decision, which he did, to come to earth, he had to decide which people group would he come through. And if you like to turn in Hebrews 2.16, because it explains what he decided in Hebrews 2.16, where it says, 
about him. It says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. Okay, so he didn't come as an angel. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. He took on him the seed of Abraham. So those are very important words. He took on him the seed of Abraham. When the Lord Jesus Christ took on him the seed of Abraham, he became the fulfillment of the second part of the great promise. Because he, as the seed of Abraham, would bless all families of the earth. How would he bless all families of the earth? Because he would open the door to all families of the earth, the opportunity for them to be spiritually born into eternal life. You know, we are physically, you know how they say, from the time you're born, you start to die. And so you were born to die, right? Well, that's the first birth, the physical death. The second birth is you're born to eternal life. And he opened up that door. It's a great blessing. And what happens to a person who takes that opportunity to be spiritually born into eternal life? And to turn, if you would, to John 8. 33 through 40. Here's very interesting, speaking about Abraham, and it says here in John 8, 33, they, this is the enemies, Jewish enemies of the Lord, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not for and on the house forever. But the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father, Jesus saith unto them. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. The key to understanding the issue that's being disputed here in John 8 is wrapped up in two terms. These two terms are found in verses 33 and 37, one term, and verse 39. So in verse 33, these Jewish enemies of the Lord Jesus used a term to describe themselves when they said, we be Abraham's seed. And that's the term. And the Lord Jesus repeated that term in verse 37 when he gave his full agreement to their statement when he said, I know that you are this term. You are Abraham's seed. But in this discussion, a term then was used, and that's Abraham's seed. It was agreed upon that they were Abraham's seed. So in essence, They were saying that they were Jewish in the sense that they were physical descendants of Abraham. And the Lord Jesus agreed with them. He said, okay, you're Jewish. I don't have any contest with that. You are physical descendants of Abraham. DNA-wise, they could trace their physical lineage to Abraham. No contest on that term. Their physical lineage to Abraham was a fulfillment of the first part of the great promise to Abraham, that from them would emerge this great nation. But in verse 39 is a second term, which is a new term. It's very important, and this is the term Abraham's children. When they claimed Abraham as our father, they were claiming something distinctly different from just being the seed of Abraham. Now they were claiming to be the children or the followers of Abraham. And that claim was no longer just a physical claim of their birth, Back to Abraham, that was a claim 
of their spirituality or of their, they were spiritually like Abraham. They were in the spirit, they were, you, anyway. <laughs> he would say, that person is like Abraham. All right. So that's where the Lord said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So for those Jewish enemies of the Lord, Abraham's seed, yes. Abraham's children, no. So what we see from this discussion here in John 8 is the emergence of two very important terms, Abraham's seed and Abraham's children. And from these two terms, Abraham's seed and Abraham's children, by putting a yes, no, and making a matrix, we can set up four categories of persons, and everybody in the world will fall into these, one of these four categories. What's the four categories? First category, a person who is one of Abraham's seed and not one of Abraham's children is a lost Jewish person on his way to an eternal separation from God in hell. Category one. Category two, a person who is one of Abraham's seed and one of Abraham's children is a saved Jewish person who is on his way to being with God in heaven. That person is described as a natural branch that was cut out and grafted back in, in Romans eleven twenty four. Third category. A person who is not one of Abraham's seed and not one of Abraham's children is a lost Gentile on his way, again, to an eternal separation from God in hell. And the last category is a person who is not one of Abraham's seed, but one of Abraham's children. That is a saved Gentile who is on his way to being with God in heaven. That person is described as the wild branch that was cut out and grafted back into the vine in Romans eleven twenty four. Okay, now, but this part about there being two categories of Jewish people, two categories of the seed of Abraham, either one that's a child of Abraham or one that's not a child of Abraham, either saved or lost, that explains for us the meaning of a very, very otherwise confusing phrase that Paul used. Not that Paul ever used confusing phrases. It was very clear. <laughs> anyway, uh, in Romans 9, 6, where Paul said, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Sounds like double talk, but it's not. If you take these terms together, when it says, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, that means they are not all children of Abraham, which are the seed of Abraham. In other words, just by being born Jewish is not a ticket to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John fourteen six that he was the way, the truth, the life, and no man, Jew or Gentile, comes to the Father but by him. As a matter of fact, he said all that to Jewish people. So Abraham's seed and Abraham's children. So when anyone takes the opportunity, whether Jew or Gentile, then he becomes a child of Abraham, or part of the spiritual seed, if you want to call it that, the spiritual seed of Abraham. Now we started our study with the verse in Isaiah 41.8, where God said, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. From that verse, God is challenging, especially Jewish people, by saying to them, You've been born the seed of Abraham. You were physically a Jew. Now you need to become a child of Abraham by doing what Abraham did, follow the Lord Jesus Christ, who Abraham knew as Adonai. 
So to the Jewish people, God is saying, you're one of Abraham's seed, now you need to become one of Abraham's children. So, the first part of the great promise to Abraham in Genesis 12.1 is referring to the seed of Abraham, the physical Jewish people. The second part of the great promise to Abraham refers to the Lord Jesus Christ and those who follow him or the children of Abraham. The first part of the great promise is physical. The second part of the great promise is spiritual. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you did in the life of Abraham and how you graciously called him and Lord, you called and he obeyed you and you called him your friend. And then, Lord, you took this title on for yourself, the God of Abraham. Help us, Lord, to be like Abraham so that we can be your friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He's a scientist, CEO, 2009 Whistleblower of the Year. He's also a pastor and an author, as well as a patent holder, and he's an incredible Bible teacher. If you'd like some of his resources, you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org. We have some free resources online at friendshipwithgod.org, or click on resources and Tom Cantor's materials. Tom Cantor has a lot of videos, as well as written materials that you can choose from and purchase, and also has an entire bookstore, a creation bookstore, that has everything you can imagine online, from Bibles to devotionals to scientific studies on creation to books about dinosaurs, the flood, children's books, and many other Bible-based Christian books that you can purchase and help grow your friendship with God, all available online at friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on Resources and Tom Cantor's Materials. It'll take you right to our online bookstore with everything that you need to grow your friendship with God. You can also donate at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program continuing on your station in your city and supporting Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to the Jewish people. Or call us 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.